Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices, spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the The final Final girl. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry and I Hello, Dennis Disco Citizens. It's Julia. Oh my god, I'm so excited, Julia. We have another guest on this week. Like, holy goodness. We've been killing it. All oh. of our guests are so amazing. I'm so excited to talk to this one. Oh my god, the best people come to Horror Movie Survival Guide, I'm telling you. And today is no exception. We have Elise Willems. She is a writer, producer, performer, and creative based in LA. She was born originally in the exotic Toronto, Canada, a snowy wonderland known for molding and churning out funny weirdos 100%. She is one of them. Elise shines in any situation where she can don a mustache and a wig, which is how I met her, literally. Um, on a show wearing a beautiful mustache and a wig. We were on a show together. And ever since then, we've been like conspiring to meet up and do something together. So her career in entertainment, um, she's runs the gamut playing games and media for over the last decade. She has been featured in content across Geek and Sundry, College Humor, Smosh, YouTube, Kind of Funny, GameStop, Rocket Jump, BuzzFeed, Schmodown, Comedy Central, IGN, Fine Brothers React, Bleeding Cool News, Hyper RPG, and so many more. Um, In October of 2020, though, Elise had her first book published, A Night in Halloween House, a nostalgic holiday adventure for young readers, which reached number one in children's new Halloween releases and children's spine-chilling horror and Amazon books. Welcome today to the show, the lovely Elise Willems. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. Having to listen to you talk about me that long, I am drenched in sweat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from listening to it that. always kind of feels like they're talking about somebody else right yes absolutely a hundred percent a hundred percent but thank you thank you so much That's for you, having oh, me i'm excited oh, yeah. accomplished to all those here. things <laughs> our own yeah. lacks of object permanence sometimes is very very special and i'm so glad to get to remind you of all the amazing things you do elise you are a powerhouse Thanks, and Terry. such a you funny likewise. human Likewise. Oh, yay. Well, well, I guess let's start at the beginning, right? We're going to go on a journey together here today. So I think always beginning is a good place to start. So let's talk about your childhood in Toronto, Canada and bring us back to when movies and then horror movies came into your life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I always th- think of myself as a kid who was never a Christmas kid. I was always a Halloween kid. And you yeah. can imagine growing up in Canada where it's snowy eight months of the year Halloween rolls around and I would watch the Halloweens of my youth in movies and TV. And then I would live out my Halloween, which was me in a snowsuit, you know, my, my (laughs) costume underneath it. And I feel like I always had this vision of what I thought Halloween would be. And, and really until moving to Los Angeles, never lived it. But I kind of was always into the creepy, the macabre, the, out of the ordinary and I'm not exactly sure what sparked that but I have very distinct memories of 
my mother not liking The Wizard of Oz, which was my one of my favorite movies. But for some reason, Why? I don't I don't know. I think she just didn't yeah. like it. And so I never owned it. But she would always rent me Return to Oz. Um, oh, which God. is terrifying. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when, I, okay. when I was like four years old, she'd constantly rent this movie for me. And uh, and I just I just kind of always was attracted to mystery, to horror, to anything that sort of drew outside of the lines of the ordinary, I think. So you're watching uh, Return to Oz at Four, which if you haven't seen it, in, involves it's the most uh, terrifying uh, Dorothy, of all time. <laughs> Dorothy getting electroshock therapy, almost getting electroshock therapy. We got the wheelers. We got Mommy taking her head off. We got all the stuff. And you yeah. at Four were like, yeah, I'm, this is fine. Yeah. And for some reason, we never had anything censored for us. So, you know, I as a young kid, really, I watched The Simpsons a lot. And I loved always the Treehouse of Horror was mm-hmm. was always my favorite. So I, I was even like exposed to certain horror through maybe more childish ways before I ever watched the thing it was based on. Um, right. And I feel like a lot of kids cartoons did that. Uh You might not be familiar with it, but there was this Canadian claymation children's series called uh, A Bump in the Night. And it kind of... No, tell us about it, please. It sounds amazing. It it was fantastic. And, you know, it was about this monster that lived under a bed, Mr. Bumpy. And so I really liked that show. But they would also spoof things. Like they did an episode, The Night of the Living Bread, where (gasps) it's it's a a zombie bread piece of bread that they're trying to i think they end up toasting him and that's how they they get him in the end (laughs) but he's (laughs) like wreaking yeah he's wreaking havoc around the house so i think i always even with children's programming i looked for the macabre the the horror versions of things and then as i got older and i could kind of immerse myself more into this genre stuff i was seeking out horror more and more and what was the, what were the ones that we were watching as a kid? We because uh, we Return to Oz has some creepy bits, not necessarily an actual horror film. No. So can you remember the kind of first horror films that you watched that fascinated you or terrified you? Yeah, I I think that I grew I grew up in the '90s. And it was definitely the revival of the teen slasher. So mm-hmm. around you know I was maybe ten years old was when Scream came out and kind of started the resurgence of that genre. So. That was a little bit of a tiptoe, I think, was, uh, and, you know, I usually now I'm more of a paranormal fan, but maybe the slasher was my gateway because Scream and then I Know What You Did Last Summer. And then we mm-hmm. had that big avalanche of like your urban legends and it kind of became a thing. And that was really where it sparked my interest of, oh, I'm on the cusp of this pre-middle school age where you start to kind of experiment with what you're watching more. And um, and then I think I was probably 11 or 12 and I saw back when I think it was A&E used to air just more variety than reality shows. They had The Exorcist yes, on. Yeah. <laughs> they, they had The Exorcist. When Exor- it was actual arts and entertainment. Yes. Yep. And it was yeah. more arts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they had uh, The Exorcist on. I think it was just one afternoon. And I just Ooh. started watching it and thought, oh, gosh, this is this is great. Like, in, you know, maybe, in my opinion, one of the best horror movies ever made. And then yeah, yeah. I it just kind of became me seeking out on, you know, on VHS and how can I get all these movies? And um, I it kind of kind of spiraled like I one of the stories kind of I always share about that that sort of dates me, but is indicative of 
kind of where I, oh, I was evolving with horror was when I was 14, I went to go to the opening weekend, like limited release of the Blair Witch Project because I had read oh, about huh. it in the newspaper and, you know, read an article in the newspaper about how, oh gosh, this is like the most scary movie that's come out. And so like a friend of mine, we went to, to see it and just, it was great. I, another thing I think I always, I, I'm a huge Muppets fan, which I know. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Oh, same. Oh thank my you. God. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and Muppets, you know, not, not horror, but I do think that if you like puppetry, you like these kind of weird mediums, you sort of dance around this genre stuff too. Cause you, has there been a full Muppet horror movie yet? No, la- last year they released Muppet like- Haunted Mansion. Okay. But I feel like okay. Muppet, not the Muppets, but like I'm just thinking of your Peter Jackson, uh, Julia. Yeah, Meet the Feebles isn't isn't oh, really yeah. horror though. But it's I mean, Meet the Feebles is, is fucked up. Yeah, but it's, it's, so it's yeah. And you know, you have stuff like <laughs> that's, a, that's a million dollar idea, right? In Heavenly Creatures. He's got a little oh yeah, know, labyrinth yeah. dances in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Lambreth, the yeah, new dark, yeah, yeah, yeah. The new Dark Crystal for Netflix has some pretty dark stuff oh, yeah. in it. Um. But yeah, I think I think like those mediums because then you get into stop motion and you have stuff like Nightmare Before Christmas, and right. you know I think I think they just kind of walk hand in hand with it. All the sickos, what, you, like what would you say? In, oh, we are the, the you're talking to the sickos. We yeah. are the weirdos, Mister. Right? Like this is this yeah. is us. Um, what, what would you say is the scariest film that you've seen? Oh my gosh, uh, it, I, it may I not do, be the like yeah. Yeah, what's what's scary to you, I think, is a question, yeah. too, because I think horror yeah. is subjective and I tend to find certain imagery just stays with me. And you get into those those horror movies where it's not even just a uh, visual, but it's something that you can't, you know, uh, I, I don't want to spoil movies for people who haven't seen them, but stuff like Guillermo del Toro's The Orphanage where like you sometimes you just you have a realization a sickening realization while you're watching a movie of oh no this is mm-hmm. what actually happened and uh, right. that stays with you or in terms of visuals I just I don't think I mean The Exorcist really had had some amazing stuff and newer newer stuff like Sinister I don't know why but Sinister stayed with me big time Sinister's scary. that's a yeah, we just did that one this year, and that's it was the first time watch for both of us. And I think a lot of people have talked about how terrifying they. And I think part of it is that you're watching it with him, and watching his face, like yes. you're just as disgusted as he is. I guess is kind of interesting. But I think The Exorcist is interesting too because I think that's one of those movies where people watch it, and it's either it makes you a horror fan or it makes you stop watching horror altogether. Yes. Yeah, and The Exorcist is so interesting too because it it uh you know just from a us perspective of like bringing horror to the masses it was huge when it came out in 73 and then just became this lightning rod for people to say oh we can actually make horror movies and put them in cinemas and it won't just be b-movie schlock people will come see good movies and i also you know years and years ago had a vhs that had a bts documentary about the exorcist where it just kind of got into all the you know i'm sure you both have heard like the legendary stuff around the production the the death that kind of yeah revolved mm-hmm. around it and sometimes for me things like that make a movie even you know more iconic to have that legacy oh, for sure yeah they um uh, did a really nice series called cursed films that's yep. on through like shutter right yeah. now 
Um, they did a couple of seasons in one of the episodes. They kind of do a deep dive, kind of rehashing some of those stories, but with a, a modern lens now of just like, hey, some of these are a series of unfortunate events <laughs> for yep. these movies, and like, but kind of gets surrounded in the legend that's around it. And it was just really interesting watching. Um, you know, Linda Blair interviewed in that too. And like what she was willing to talk about and not talk about pretty intense. Um, oh, yeah. Do, do both of you have, she went through in that film. Do, do both of you have a, like the a scariest movie to either of you? Yeah. Uh, mine's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. The family. It's just, it's just, re- it, it's just relentless. Like it yeah. doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, uh, it's, and Terry, you still hasn't seen that one. I still have not. I've been oh, wanting wow. to see it. I've been waiting. Hey. I know. It's I've October. been waiting to see it in um, on the big screen. I just didn't want to watch it at home. I wanted to watch it in a, in a cinema. So I think the last time it was like available, I, I wasn't able to go. But I really want to go see it on in a theater. So yes. I'm sure it'll be playing somewhere in October. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> yes, I will. T- I will look. I have it what on my Fandango now, alerts. I have it on my Fandango. You alerts. do? Okay. Good. <laughs> oh yeah, I've had it on there for like years. I've been like, okay, whenever it's like pops up, I'm like, okay, let's I see love if I can that. go. Um, of course. Um, I mean, I, obviously, I know, I think, everything about it, what's going to happen in it, but I just really want to watch it on the big screen for the first time. Mm-hmm. Julia just watched Godfather for the first time recently. Similar situation. Um, on the big screen. On the big screen. So um, I – Hellraiser is still really scary to me, but I feel like there's other stuff to watch that's scarier. I think Terrifier, the first one, is pretty up there. I think that's, mm-hmm. like, one of the scariest movies just because that villain is unrelenting, and it's also clown scare the crap out of me. So um, – that's good and to some know. Of the and you had to, kills I've ever you seen to, on screen. Yeah, you had to you had to call me during session nine as well. Session oh. nine. That's pretty creepy. I think anything that's like real, like because that was like in a real asylum that they shot on. Have you seen that before, at least? Session. I, nine? I know session nine, but I've never seen it. Yeah, highly recommended. Really they cool. Really have small. To really set dress the set, which is the creepiest yeah. part to me like they just kind of went in there and I was like oh they just went in there and shot this thing in this creepy ass building okay yeah no one mm-hmm. knew they were making a movie it's real bad anywho I definitely did definitely paused a lot too so anything I have to watch with the lights on and I have to pause a lot I know is scary um I, I, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's, it's, to me, it's more of a story of a family tragedy and I'm sure everyone brings it up on this podcast, but hereditary was, yes you know, broke a, broke a dry spell for me where I thought, holy shit, this is so, so good. And, uh, so it does good. get brought up a lot. Yeah. I <laughs> we actually, we just, it, like, I think the last three interviews, I think people have yeah. brought it up. We've talked about it. And uh, with the, uh, Shannon McGrew, who we just talked to, who runs Nightmarish Conjuring actually has a hereditary tattoo. So it's a big one. <gasps> That's so cool. She got it you the know? day people... I watched it for this podcast, which is hilarious. Cause I literally saw her like on her Insta story, like post about it. And then I was like, <laughs> um, I'm watching that movie right now. Like let's talk. And so, <laughs> what is the it tattoo? Was very inspired. Of the bird. Uh, the, 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 head. Oh, oh, the head. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a really it's a really nice little line drawing it's actually really really beautiful um but i think it's one of those ones for like hardcore people like all all y'all who've been watching horror for like most of your life you need something sometimes that like jumps you out of the normal and like that's one of those ones that just goes off the track in a way that i don't know everyone's oh. ready for yet yeah and you don't expect anything that coming that's going to happen in that and it just leaves mm-hmm. you with that that sickening feeling and i i always describe it as yeah it's horror but it is a family tragedy and that kind of makes mm-hmm. it all the worse something That's, else I, that was a, uh, the, I, the, that was one of the ones i saw in a, in a theater with an audience which i think uh made it even 
uh, more terrifying to hear everybody's um, noise when the the lamp post came up. Yeah, was <laughs> like the horrific group noise when that happened will stick with me forever. Yes, like just a horrible noise. Yeah, yeah, the, the, disgust and surprise. Oh, the gasp, like it's quiet, but it's because everyone's just ex- exhaling everything they had in their lungs is now oh, empty. Yeah. And I I saw Hereditary. And then um, I think it was like the opening weekend. And then I just I was I was like, this is amazing. This is incredible. And then the next night I was at a, a party with some people and I did the, the awful thing that I do, which is I rally people to leave the party and go see a movie. And <laughs> so I was like, guys, I just saw this movie hereditary. We can leave right now and go see it again. And my husband, who was there, he's like, I'm not going. I'm not going to see this movie. Like what he's like, you can go, you can take these people. And, and I was just like, I was a pig in shit. I was so happy. (laughs) Like not like not having to socialize. And then I got to take people to, to go make, watch this movie with me again. And, uh, yeah, there, I actually, one of the things that I was remiss about on today's with the podcast was, damn, I wish that I had chosen barbarian for this podcast. I don't know if you've covered it yet, but another great, no, we haven't seen it yet. Oh, and like, like hereditary, you have to see it in a theater full of people. It's that experience. We got to make a date, Julia. Let's go. We'll drag Elise so she can like laugh at us. Yes. We'll have to be at a party. Like, mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, we'll have to be at a party first (laughs) and then go. But then we can back out. Honestly, I'm obsessed with that. People are like, because I, I run karaoke kind of in that vein for par- a lot of people's parties. And part of it's because it's a, the good introverted, extroverted activity mm-hmm. where I can still be part of the party, but no, I don't have to necessarily socialize with everyone. And then I can leave when I pack up my equipment and go. I like this movie idea, though. I'm using it. I love it. Yes. <laughs> so let's uh, let's uh, jump back a bit. Let's talk about you. When we were talking about your origins of horror. You talked about how children's television, you gravitated to, to a lot of the darker imagery. So um, take us through a kind of line of how that got to where your book is now and how you got from A to B. Yeah, I I also just um, I like I really enjoy writing. And that's that's you know always been the trajectory where I've wanted to take my career. And when I was a kid, I wrote a lot and I was just a massive reader. And one of the things that I I read a lot was uh, I definitely read horror and I also read a lot of mystery too, um, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, those genres, especially if done really, really well, go hand in hand, like the ring, the ring is a great horror movie, but if you watch it from the perspective of, Oh, this is a detective unraveling a mystery. It's also really, really great Mm -hmm. in that respect too. Um, So I, I like, you know, kind of growing up, that's what I, I was always into. And then, getting older thought I kind of need to do something a little bit more what I at the time as a dumb like 17 year old thought was a more serious career path so I got a degree in political science and then I was like I hate not hate this but what am I doing here I've always been someone that (laughs) wants to be creative what am I doing and then fortunately like pivoted into the entertainment industry and coming up through the gaming world because I I am somebody that's really into video games tabletop as well mm-hmm. and and sort of just you know I've been working in that space and um creating there and uh, I work for a comedy gaming channel funhouse but I've also had opportunities to make sketch comedy and um 
you know, do all these, these other cool things. And I, I had been for a long time, I had wanted to, to write a book that felt like it was something that I would have wanted to read as a kid. And mm-hmm. I have a really um, soft spot for kind of the era I grew up in, which is the nineties where, you know, it was kind of the last vestige of kids would play on the street until the streetlights went out and it got dark. And right. we, we really had those, those Halloweens where you, you got together with all your friends and went trick or treating. And I just, I would walk my dog past this one house in my neighborhood that I don't think anybody lived there. I think it was just like one of those rent properties in LA that someone's sitting on, but it's gotten so old and dilapidated looking. And Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, if I was a kid and I walked past this house, I would be terrified. This would be the house that me and my, my, yeah. Which house? Yes. Like my, there's always one. There's always one. (laughs) And I thought, exactly. There's always one. And I thought my friends and I would, we would go out of our way to go around this house or we would stop and we would like ogle it, like, you know, kind of coming up with what, what's behind those doors and what is in this house. And, and, uh, also like just, Growing up, my grandfather, his house in Toronto was like this kind of big, scary turn of the 20th century house that I always found kind of creepy growing up. And so I've had, you know, always had these images in my mind. And I I thought I really want to write a a book about kids that are having that they're having that experience. And, you know, Halloween being my season, just having all these kind of variables come together. And so that was sort of the, the genesis of that and I'm it's, I also just like making stuff so it's fun but no uh, it's amazing and, and I feel like uh, the witch house is kind of a, a universal kind of experience there's yeah. always like that house yes. in the neighborhood that there was one walking to elementary school that was a house like that and uh, my best friend Ryan dared me one morning as we were walking like we we're a couple of blocks away from school and he dared me to go up and knock on the door oh which no which is big yeah like seven That's right huge. so i go up and i walk and i knock on the door and a voice from inside went hello <gasps> and i screamed oh and i ran God. all the way to school like blocks and blocks just fucking booked it yeah oh and just no. like got in the library and i was like oh my god oh no. <laughs> uh, yeah and, and like as a as a kid you build up all this mythology around it but then when you're adult right. an adult you're like oh yeah there's an explanation there's an old woman that lives there she's a widow she she can't fix up the place like or right that uh yeah there's a family their their grandfather passed away they've just been sitting on the property like as an adult but when you're a kid you, you know your imagination run wild i love that you did that that's awesome <laughs> that's great no it's so cute like i think it was michael verati had posted something the other day some like little reel someone was doing who a lady who's like my goal is to like be you know like the lady who has that house yes and they're like yeah. for halloween <laughs> that's, and that's they're right. like and they're like no just all the time like i want the yeah. kids to always be afraid of my house and I was like yes so yeah. that's a, that's Marion's yeah. goal as well our, yeah. our first host Marion when yeah. I first met her when she was 21 was like I'm gonna be the crazy cat lady <sighs> who sits on my porch and freaks out kids and I was like that's her goal and she's like 21 I'm like I can't wait till I'm 85 yeah and this is what I can do and I was like wow I never met anybody with that kind of goal I love that yeah. awesome I love yeah. that we're all of this generation of women that we're like how can we do our personal gray gardens like, how can, how can we find our unhinged friends to live with us in our old age and just kind of be nuts? I'm I'm so into that. It's so enticing, it. right? You're like, yeah. we can have all the cats we want. We can just, you know, have it, don't have to worry about the yard. Like, yeah. the, feed the raccoons in the attic. We'll a be sense good to of go. freedom. It's a, I think it's yeah. a true sense of freedom to be the witch lady. And yes. I'm here for it. Oh, my gosh. 
So were were your other friends as like I'm just wondering as like your childhood were your other friends just as into scary stuff as you or were you an anomaly up in Toronto? I I had one friend that like definitely would go see horror movies with me. Um but I never really like I you know I think there are people that in high school and stuff they had their kind of like cult of friends or whatever that they would be into this stuff and to me it was always something that was maybe a little bit more it was an interest I had and it was it, it felt not isolationist but like I just didn't didn't really feel like I had a community around it and I think the really cool thing especially now with the internet is like you can have that big community of people you can find those people that have that shared interest and talk about like i I'd definitely have a lot of friends now who are into horror but i would say that some of the ones that are most into it don't live in or near my near me or you know we just talk about it over text or online mm-hmm. still um and i also think now it's it's a uh, you're less of maybe the weird kid to be into horror cuz i feel like that was definitely yeah. a stigma too well and especially to, to be a, a, a lady who's into horror was, yeah was you know is becoming much more uh, mainstream now but it was also it was also like it was a weirdo thing and then it kind of got this act, extra added thing like oh you're a girl who likes horror like um i tell the story but I, i'm a gigantic stephen king nerd and for uh, when i was 12 i went to a birth a, a halloween party with a junior high and i was gauged from pet cemetery when oh, he was dead and it's great everybody else was like a leader or a princess and i was like this is this is me right this is the weirdo and everyone's <laughs> like you're dressed as like a dead kid and i'm like eh, pet cemetery I love yeah it. <laughs> come on guys <laughs> pet cemetery and yeah they got nothing they got nothing uh i just um, want i mean I shout out oh sorry go ahead no go on go shout out shout out shout out at least. I, I just yesterday was stephen king's birthday i just want to say shout out happy yeah. birthday stephen king <laughs> Sorry, oh, Julia might have brought a cake. We have a me- weekly movie night we've been doing for about a decade with a bunch of our friends where we rotate through who brings a movie and they have to bring a snack from inspired from the week before. But Julia, it was not her turn, but she brought a cake for Stephen King's oh, birthday last night. And we I definitely lit some candles and sang a happy birthday to Stephen King, even though he was not at our party. <laughs> Sadly, not at our party. <laughs> oh, that rocks. That's um, so great. This morning but, I was... Uh, yeah. Oh, this morning I, I woke up early and I couldn't get back to sleep. And I was like, I better read through this list ranking all of Stephen King's books from best to worst. <laughs> like, uh, did you agree? I didn't I didn't make it to the I haven't I have to go back to it because I there's he's written like 70 books. So I, I didn't make yeah. it to the top of the list yet. But Julia uh, has read favorite? all of them. So yeah, I read them all. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big fandom. I just adapted I'm, one of his stories into a film as well, so I'm like hardcore nerd. Oh my god, that's awesome! I'm wh- yeah. what what was it? Uh, so I know what you need. It's a it's a night shift. Oh, okay, cool. I I don't know if I've, I I I probably that's have one of the collections. Yeah, I I think I have night shift, but have never actually like finished all the stories. Um, well, here is your uh, homework. You get to read I Know What You Need because it's a good one anyway. I will. But, do you have a favorite novel? Yeah, I, th- I think my favorite Stephen King is Salem's Lot just because I the nice. epilogue of that story has had some imagery that just always stuck with me. Um, and yeah, like it, it's funny, though. Recently, Storm of the Century, the miniseries from the 90s, which yeah. I was obsessed with. I haven't with. watched that. Oh, it's. It's kind of one of those things that it was never a book. It was just an original screenplay he wrote. 
And yeah. uh, back when it, I was really into event television back then. <laughs> and yes, so we all were. Yeah. It, and everything yeah. was an event. Music videos were an event. Everything yes. was an event. Yes. And yeah. so this miniseries came out and I was so into it. And it recently came to Hulu. So I told my husband, I'm like, we have to drop everything and watch Storm of the Century. Um, oh, okay. I'm on it. I haven't seen the uh, the 90s Shining that McGarris did either, which is a, a gap I need to fill in my horror Stephen oh, yeah. King's yeah. world. We talked with him about which, it. We had him on the show. Yeah. Stephen Weber? No. Uh, no, oh. Nick Garris. Oh, sorry. It's like Stephen Weber from Wings. All right. We, we love oh. Stephen Weber, too. No, I would interview him any day. I adore him. I love Wings. But um, no, Mick. We had Mick on. <laughs> I, I feel like I saw an interview where Stephen King said that that, that was his preferred adaptation of The Shining. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. Um, yeah. He uh, he calls uh, the Kubrick ones a shiny shiny car with no engine. Oh. And you go, ooh, sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it interesting, though? Because that's, that's one of those hard things, too, as an artist, where, like, something gets adapted and you may not love what, what's become of it, but it's be, it's such a beloved property. Yeah. It's hard. You know, us writer folks. Um, amazing. Well, Elise, you brought to us a movie to talk about today that I definitely had to pause because it's scary um, and it's good. Um, do you want to tell us why and what you brought for us to watch today? Well, I brought this because you guys have watched fucking everything. <laughs> so it's true. there was nothing else. No, no, I actually, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I feel like when you watch a ton of horror and you become a little desensitized to it or you've kind of seen the, the same tropes, you've seen the same plot beats and stuff you're always waiting for something that's kind of going to do something different or surprise you or have that imagery that you've never seen before and this was one of those movies the last couple years and maybe it's because I watched it during the height of quarantine and I was a little bit loopy which another movie that (laughs) weren't we all yeah I I had another movie that it, it occurred to me I don't know if you if you both had watched this but host that came out in 2020 yeah uh, no i have not oh, i did yeah i yeah that had some great sca- like i was really impressed by that it was one of those first early we shot this during quarantine movies yeah it's um, brilliant mm-hmm. but uh i i guess i could have brought that too but uh this yeah this was something that i felt like i haven't seen a lot of people talk about and maybe people are mixed on but it did some stuff that was really impressive and new to me and it's a story about a and I'm I'm not Jewish it is it is a so I fear that if I'm using like proper nouns and stuff I'm totally going to butcher and mispronounce them but it is about a a young man who he is sitting overnight to observe the dead body of a deceased orthodox Jewish man and this is you know a, it's it's tradition to keep vigil of the body overnight. Yeah, they actually have a, a title card in the beginning of the movie that explains uh, what the deal is. I can read it. Oh, oh that would give be awesome. Give us a little intro. Yeah. yeah, give us title and uh, maybe so, maybe logline or whatever the... I uh, got it. The, so the, uh, we, we uh, least picked uh, 2019's The Vigil, which uh, the tagline for this movie is, it wants your pain. Okay. It's like it's hell, a short, very Hellraiser. It's applicable. 
applicable. Uh, yeah. Kinda, yeah. Such, such, such sights to show you. Uh, this was written and directed by Keith Thomas. So the title card at the beginning says, for thousands of years, religious Jews have practiced a ritual of the vigil. When a member of the community dies, the body is watched round the clock in shifts by a shoimer or watchman who recites the Psalms to comfort the deceased soul and protect it from unseen evil. This watchman is typically a family member or friend, but they are paid shoimers hired uh, by the, I'm sorry, hired to sit the vigil when no one else can. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is the plot of the film. And this is great because I, I really don't feel like I've ever seen an Orthodox Jewish horror Same. film before. Nope. Nope. So I was like, oh, this is great. I was I'm, thank you for br- I, yeah, bringing something like, new. And, and, oh, and mm-hmm. a horror movie that's half in English, half in Yiddish. Amazing. Yeah. I'm so glad to have people to talk about it with because I don't know anyone that's seen it. <laughs> um, but now you know, too. Yeah. <laughs> And Holy goodness. And then, yeah, with this opening of like this, I, this like flashback thing or whatever, I was like, I got a, immediately was like, <gasps> I'm already scared. Like, just like from that intro of like, okay, you got to watch over a dead body. That's going to be happening. But also like, what the heck is happening? And then I was like, oh no, are we in the Holocaust? And I just was like, oh, this is going to be devastating and scary mm-hmm. all at the same time. Um, just from the opening alone. And this did not disappoint. And, and to, to have a main character as well, who's who's losing, who's lost the faith, right? Who's out of the community and 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 knowing how what that means, and you know what a tight knit community uh, Orthodox Jewish are, uh, and how much weight that would carry to be out of that, and how we see him, everyone trying to kind of suck him back in, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm also like a, a someone that uh, is a sucker for like horror that positions itself against like a like a historical or kind of like political context and Mm -hmm. like um i like this how it's you know it is steeped in like the the trauma of events that happened during the holocaust are connected to a distinct evil in that like it's pan's labyrinth is one of my favorite movies and you know just that juxtaposing like a dark fantasy world against italian fashion or or, sorry not italian um like spanish fascism and like or his house if you've if you've seen that which is another like his house here oh yeah like i that also like to me because to me it's like you're putting you know like um like fictional terrors against the real horrors of life, which I'm, I'm usually more terrified by the real horrors of life. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, yeah. So and, this and they, just, they give you both. Yeah. Right. And that, you know, that character's gone through enough that they're not taking this fright lightly. Mm-hmm. Right. They've already been scared as they're ever going to be in their lives. So something supernatural is probably not going to be as terrifying as it would to uh, someone like Jennifer Love Hewitt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring her into the conversation. <laughs> How Poor often J-Lo is she Hugh. brought into the conversation on this show? Because I feel more like often, a lot. More, more often than <laughs> no. she should be, honestly. Yeah. I love her, though. But like, oh, my oh, gosh. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, and if, if we hadn't brought her up, I'd, I'd you know, scream up to the sky. What are we, we waiting for? Let's bring her up. What are we waiting for? Well done. Applause. <laughs> applause. <laughs> Very nice. What are we, we going to do without J-Lo Hugh? What are we going to do without J-Lo, J-Lo Hugh? Hugh? I'm writing a song just for her. Um <laughs> So here's here's my question uh, to you. So he is uh, Yaakov, who is our, our, um, our hero. Lead. Yeah. Yes. Who is asked to do this shimmer for a gentleman who has just died, and the the offer is. So I'm offering this to you guys. You have from five hours. You have to sit with his body, and you get four hundred bucks. No. 
No way. Honestly, I mean, I'm not in the same position as Yaakov, though, because literally the way they set it up so beautifully. So, you know, he's in this group of people who have all kind of left the Orthodox community. And you also see that he's taking pills and is dealing with some mental health stuff from what it sounds like. Right. Oh, this man looks looks haunted before he even gets to the haunting. That's the thing. Like, it's like he's already dealing clearly with demons and ghosts around him, right? Like, something happened that, like, set him off, that made him leave his community. It sounds like it's probably not good. And then, but also he's got a girl who's like, hey, you're cute. You should text me. Call me. But it's like, clearly he doesn't have money to date or barely to live. So he's given this proposition and that's like the stakes are so high He's going to have to say yes, right? It's like if I was Yakov, yes, I would say yes. As Terry, definitely not. I'm good. I don't need that kind of money. <laughs> I feel like I would get it some other way, though. I mean, like for Julia, just staying up, my body does not function between like 3 and 6 a.m. So staying up for that would just be unpleasant anyway. But to be, I've never been alone with a dead body, I don't think. I'm okay being alone with a dead body. I just, I just, no, not that house. Not with not yeah. not after not after that woman not after you know the the woman of Mrs. the house. Litvak's like nope, get out. And when she after she's like, you're not the one for the job. I'd be like, oh okay, cool. Yeah, peace. Yeah, absolutely. Like, why don't you find but, somebody who is? Like another layer for this movie is my my own personal um, like Alzheimer's disease, dementia is like my own kind of personal fear. Um, like mm-hmm. no, you know, some people it's like clowns or spiders. Like that is kind of my. Just you just be- said ours. That's hilarious. Yeah, Yours really? is spiders and mine is clowns. Oh no! I'm you sorry. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Well done. Well done. <laughs> um, that, but two for two. that is mine. So like, it's an added layer of of just just that atmosphere for me, and and also the fact that they disclose, oh, someone else was doing this job before, but they got too scared, so they don't want to do it anymore. Yep. Yeah, he kind of he kind of brushes over that though, right? Yeah. He just kind of gloss over that fact. It's totally fine. And I like, feel like he was the, the last call. Like clearly Yakov was not their first choice. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Though, like he's like, why are you calling me, dude? Like clearly you've got all these other people in the community. Like how did I end up in this job? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but she doesn't seem like mentally. Like they talk about how she she has Alzheimer's, but she seems other than the fact that she sings sometimes mm-hmm. and like breaks off in the middle of her sentence, she seems pretty okay yeah i mean she has been dealing with a horrible demon for her entire life so she's probably not going to be all there yeah. right but for someone who has dealt with her husband dealing with that i feel like she's like she's okay that old, that old chestnut <laughs> but i don't know what's going on upstairs right we hear all sorts of nonsense i'm like i don't know what she's doing up there it doesn't sound good yeah and of course at the very beginning when he's on beginning this the shift um to watch over this body he puts in headphones you guys now y'all know i have a thing like anybody in horror movies Quit putting on the headphones when you're in yeah. a haunted place. Like you need to keep your wits about you. You need to keep at least one headphone out. Maybe listen with one earphone. Okay. Like yeah. Yeah. Of horror movie survival guide tip. Ugh. Do not. Do not. But I, I also, he came in and immediately, yeah, put on headphones and then was like looking on his phone doing stuff. I was like, I thought the point was you're supposed to be watching, right? Because he turned away from the body. Yeah. I thought oh. it was like, oh, you're supposed to be watching like saying prayers, dude. You're just going to. Okay. Which- I don't know the rules though, so I would he decided not. to fuck off right away. Yes. Yeah, and I would not turn my back to that body for a second. Are you nope. kidding me? But then, if you turn your back away, then it like it's kind of normal, right? You can kind of forget that it's there. Uh, but if your job is watching, yeah, you should probably watch. Yeah. Um, I couldn't. Uh, it reminds me a little bit. Have you ever seen um, not a uh, Night Watch? There's two Night Watches. There's the Russian one, but there's also one before that with Ewan McGregor, uh, where he's a, a Night Watchman at a morgue. <sighs> And this is basically his job is like watching dead bodies. And it's uh, not very good, but eh, interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a good premise. 
I, I, I mean, I would be into that. I like not. A, it's it's early nineties. You and McGregor doing the worst American uh, accent you've ever heard. Like uh, when he really first started yeah. trying to do the American accent, you're like, dude, you're not there yet. Uh, you know, but he's trying. <laughs> Somebody's got to watch these bodies. <laughs> I think that's literally one of my favorite things. I want to supercut someone make it out there of like like Brits doing bad American yeah. accents. And I will live. It's like their live. their first movie where they're trying. Yeah. So Everyone's hard. from oh. Boston. Everyone's from Boston. They yeah, are. like Christian, Christian Bale and Swing Swing Kids is just like inexplicably from New York, yeah. but he's supposed to be German. Like it's amazing. Like it works in Newsies, but then in Swing Kids, you're like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. He saved that American accent work that he did in Newsies for Swing Kids. Clearly, like he was like, oh, I guess I got this in the bag. All right. Uh, also, amazing. If I was Yakov, uh, I would turn on every light in this house. Yeah, like you would be yeah, able to see it dark. in space. <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, this is we know it's a horror movie, so it's always they're not going to turn the lights on. But you're just like, Jesus Christ, man, turn the lights yeah. on. There's so much creepy stuff going on. But like, yeah, but the, then the know, lights flicker because even if you got <sighs> right. the lights on, the that little whatever entity is going to fuck with the lights, and the mm-hmm. lights start flickering and things start happening. Yeah, yeah, because one of the things this movie does so exceptionally, at least at least for me, was it playing with the darkness, the shadow, what you half mm-hmm. see, uh, always gets me, gets me so good. Yeah. For sure. And that, you know, that's ramping up, right? You know, you're all taking place in this one small house, which I think is great, giving these parameters. But it starts out with just light flickering. But then it gets to he falls asleep and then wakes up to a video of himself <sighs> sleeping that Mrs. Litvak's touching him. Like, that's so incredibly creepy. Yeah. But his like, hand, also his like, hand cracking, the, the bone oh, yeah. cracking in this movie. <sighs> what was that about? Oof. Is it just the demon enjoys doing that? I was never clear on exactly what his hand's was yeah, wrong because his hand was I know, cracking I, like it had been squeezed like he looked like he opened it up like he was like uh why is my hand like it's you know when you, you fall asleep in your hand like one of your body parts whatever it feels like it falls asleep on top of itself but it was like yeah. that times like a hundred do you know what i mean they're yeah. like trying to like re mm-hmm. like reanimate his hand like it was very very un- unsettling uh so he uh this is this is enough for him to uh call a shrink Yep. Uh, he gets his his shrinks uh, voicemail. Now, just to be clear here, uh, he has been paid to be here, and we, the, he says up front, but we don't actually see him take the money up front. So, at the, has he been paid or has he not been paid? I don't think he question. got paid up front. I think he gets paid at the end of the night. Because I feel like he's uh, Shulman says, "I'll pay you up front," but then we don't see it. So I wasn't clear because I was like, "If you've been paid." leave mm-hmm. right right like, if, like there's no reason for you to stay i understand if you're staying because you have to get paid at the end of the night but and we learn later he kind of can't leave but at this point he doesn't know that right so you just, just leave man what are you doing yeah but yeah. maybe that thought doesn't occur to him because he's stuck in that house already and he doesn't even realize it maybe mm-hmm. or at least because he's he's also a guy that's just so consumed with the guilt of his past that i could see him just saying like i need to stop being such a fuck up i i can't leave you know but we, they didn't really right. telegraph that to right. us so sure because he ran away before right so this is something that he feels like he can't run away again that not he's just proving run- his yeah. courage to himself oh, yeah and not yeah. just running away but we also through you know we discovered through the course of the night too that his little brother had gotten he and his little brother were walking home one night while he was still in the faith and they had gotten attacked and his little brother got pushed into the street and was was murdered um, and so there's this trauma that he has that I feel like, again, he just feels consumed with guilt at all times, it sounds like, which is partly why I think he's dealing with the mental health state he's in, with, like dealing with that PTSD, calling the, you know, the doctor. So there's a lot of layers going on with why he's probably still feels like he needs to be there. 
uh, we we do get a very delightful serial killer ba- basement uh, complete with <laughs> clippings on the walls. We always love those. Uh, and uh, this very, very handy. Thank you to Mr. Litvak for this very handy video that will lay out exactly what's happening and what you need to do. Kudos to this man who was thought thought ahead to whoever it is who's going to have to do this job and what's happening because I think oh, yeah. this is the Mazic which is a which is a, a demon uh, and I think that this is a really and I don't I'm not sure I didn't look it up and I should have and I'm sorry but I, I don't know if this is genuinely what this demon actually does in, in lore but in this film it's if you don't kill it on the first night you're it's there forever. And so I was like, that's really good because most people, when they wouldn't know that, right? So the first night's just going to go past and it's, you're too late. Mm-hmm. So for him to give this heads up, like this, you have this night, that's it, or else it's with you forever. And like, man, that's a motivation. Yeah, you got to act fast. The video is very Randy from Scream 3 when he, when his sister shows <laughs> up and it's like, I have this video that my brother coincidentally made before he thought he might die at some point about the rules of... Of, uh-huh. you know uh-huh. ghost face they and it's found like, some huh. creative ways to, <laughs> yeah to telegraph that information on people that were mad yeah people were mad maybe, that randy was gone and like god bring him back yeah maybe mr lit Litback was like a scream fan and he thought i better make this video i saw randy yeah. do it can I'll you imagine it. can you imagine if mr Litback was a scream fan <laughs> <laughs> you never know you i never mean know. this was made in 2019 so he definitely could have could have yeah. had the time to do it i but doubt he says it. that this uh <laughs> we get uh through a series of flashbacks uh, uh that mr lefbeck's story where he was at uh buchenwald and that's where the demon followed him back for where a soldier forced him to shoot another prisoner uh which is awful and that that moment of pain uh op- opened up and allowed this demon to come in um so it's you know it's something where how horrible is it that this monster is feeding on your pain, right? This is similar to something like Pennywise, right? Like you're feeding on fear and pain and this is what gives them energy. Um, but to be able to fight something like this uh, in a little house with really like no notice, like you thought, he he just thought he was going to go home and go to sleep, yeah. right? Now he's <laughs> what the fuck happened? Yeah, it's a little deeper than that. And also I love this line too that Mrs. Litvak, she's like, you know, as he calls a shrink and she ca- overhears him and she's like, these are not nightmares. These are memories that you're experiencing and like connecting the dots for him. Like, no, you're not experiencing anything fake. You know, and this is not some made up stuff. These are real things that have happened that are following you, that are following us now. Goodness. So uh, he also learns that he cannot leave. So he tries to leave. And speaking of some bone cracking, whoever did the Foley work in this movie <laughs> Thumbs up because there is some disgusting cracking noises going on that is amazing. And also to the performer, right, who's going through and and telegraphing such pain, uh, you know. So and, and, and it definitely, I mean, Dave Davis, who plays Yakov, is just amazing from start to finish. But I think like, this scene in particular, t- telegraphing how much this is hurting is amazing. Oh, yeah. I, I like and I, again, like I know it can be tough to navigate the trope of like, how do we keep this person here? But mm-hmm. I think it's very realistic to say, like, or not realistic, but I think it works within the context of the story to say, yeah, this demon has corrupted you. And if you start to leave the perimeter of their presence, this is what's going to happen. Because that, you know, that's always seems to be the one conflict or issue in a haunted house story. Just, just leave. Just leave. Right. But, you know, obviously when sure. a demon attaches, you can't just leave it. It's with you. So it's not only that it's going to haunt you for the rest of your life, but it's also going to force you to be housebound for the rest of life. And if this... If this happened, if this, if the demon went, had won in this movie, he would be stuck in that house forever, right? He would never be able to. Oh, leave. yeah. Because that's the thing where, like, 
uh, Litvak and I think his wife, like they're estranged from their kids. Yeah. The, and, uh, she says she's pushed them all away. Like mm-hmm. she's like, I did it on purpose because I didn't want them to have to deal with this demon, like and live yeah. in this like bunker of a household, you know, like where like I didn't want them to be in the war zone anymore because, you know, she even talks about how how Mr. Litvak never got to be a real father to them because mm-hmm. he was so haunted by all of these things. Yeah. A shout out to Mrs. Litvak for not divorcing. I know. Stand by your man. I'm 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 sorry, but I feel like if if my husband was, you know, this was his, I'd be like, she was also looks like she was haunted too, based on that video when she looks like she was like mouthing stuff in the background and stuff too. Uh, Oh yeah, she has some runoff. Yeah. (laughs) Demon runoff, you guys. Demon runoff. That's a great name for a punk band, right? (laughs) Demon runoff. Demon runoff. Demon runoff. Uh, what was that, I, Elise? This, I was just gonna say this movie just has some like imagery that just gets me like you know when when you're waiting for that corpse to sit up with that sheet on, like and it sure and it delivers right. It's mm-hmm. it's so creepy, definitely. And that you know and and when we do get this kind of final boss battle, if you will, because it's <laughs> it, the, the house feels quite claustrophobic the whole time. A lot of that has to do with the lighting and, and making it and really like the spotlight of where he usually is. But then to have this finale, instead of being in this giant room, is actually really contained and like continues to get more and more claustrophobic and give you less space. Um, Just just having things happen in the background too. like, I, I always or this this to me kind of was reminiscent of the scene in it part two when uh there he's visiting the the old woman and she mm-hmm. she's like yes. naked hustling in the background yeah yep. um that's that stuff out of out of focus always gets me mm-hmm. um so yeah, we totally. do we do get we do get uh, a happy ending though all we have to do is or do we don't we i mean because he they say like you have to set so the rule is you have to set fire to the the, the demon's true face Right when it when that is how you're going to kill this this or get or get rid of it from you, but the as far as I know the true face that he sees is his own face, right? Yep. Yes. So what does that right. mean? That's what I saw. What too. does it mean? His his inner demons. And now he's set them free. Now he's set free because he set them on fire. That's kind of nice if you could do that, right? If you could like fight your inner demons in actual physical form and battle them and win instead of them living inside you forever, that'd be great. Oh yeah, I'd be like, bring me the ga- bring me the gas. <laughs> We're having a bonfire. Oh yeah, it's. I think this is such a great like allegory and also just a really cool uh, story about someone just leaving religion or this type of religion, and like it's it's really also just the struggle, you know, mm-hmm. of of feeling like, you know, the guilt of it, the like what that really means, the generations of trauma. You know, that are addressed in it, too, of just like, okay, like we've each gone through persecution in different facets, too, you know, for this life um, and for being a part of this community. Um, But I still feel like there was at the end, I still felt like there was like a little something at the end that was like out the door, too. I don't know if it was following him or what, but it didn't. It felt like in the background there was still something in the very, very end. Oh, so you don't think it was truly a happy ending then? I don't. Interesting. I do like that they I feel like if they had gone the route where he wins and the sun comes up and he's like, you know what? I will go to prayers with you today. I feel like that would have been quite ham fisted. And I'm oh, yes. that would have been and awesome. I'm really glad they didn't do that. You know, where he's still you're like, you know what? Not today. Because yeah. you know, that even we know he's lost his faith and, and going through all of this, it's never really clear if he regains it because this is about fighting his inner demons and not necessarily about his faith 
although it is in a way. Um, so I, th I think that was a really smart way to do it. It's just like he's changed inner, but it doesn't mean that he's, you know, changed his entire life's path because of it. Right. Yeah. I think you're, you're absolutely right. And, and like, I am, I am someone who is like fairly like, you know, agnostic and I, um, also like the, to, to just wrap things up in a bow and saying like, yes, returning to faith is the answer. Right. Like I, I, I mean, I guess on a fundamental personal basis, I disagree with that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I'd also liked that it's, it's, he's not, he's not saying I'm close to it. Right. And he just says not today. Yeah. Or he, maybe yeah, he's a different path, yeah. different path for him. Or maybe he's like in his own journey of discovery, I think now too, mm -hmm. of like, okay, I've dealt with this thing that scared, scared the crap out of me, but there's maybe a new opportunity, you know, ahead for me or some other connection to what I call God, um, that I can look at, you know, moving forward. Yeah. But there is that dark shadow so maybe he should, maybe he should have gone to morning <laughs> prayers because that dark shadow is still there. Um, yeah. I was like, am I crazy? I've kept to rewind. I mean, I'll have to watch that part again because I just was like, I feel like there's something still in the background. Um, but I'm glad Mrs. Litbach made it out because she went and walked in the sun that morning too. So that was exciting to know that she was actually got set free from the house for that moment too. I just hope she's okay too. What a really cool pick. Thank you so much, Elise, for bringing. Uh, we love getting recommendations. As I had not heard of this film, so I love getting no. recommendations of movies I've, I haven't even heard of and then also to find ones that are delightful. So we're so happy that you brought this one. Uh, if you would uh, be so kind, we do have yes. – uh, Should we do? what should we do first? Should we do ratings or question first, Terry? Um, let's do – oh, let's ask her – let's do ratings and then we'll do the question okay. right after. So uh, for Gore Factor, uh, at least we'll want you to weigh on in this as well. So give us your opinion. Uh, one is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle <laughs> of blood. Three is enough blood to go set the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. Um, I would say a two. She does hold that sharper glass in her hand where she bleeds out of her hand. Yeah, and then there's the bloody eyes on the sheet from mm -hmm. the little from the little brother. So I'd give it a two as well. Okay. It's very little blood. So this movie is more about soundscape uh, and cra bone cracking than it is about blood. <laughs> bone cracking. Yeah, cracking. So much celery used in that foley. <laughs> so much <laughs> celery. I was like, what are they doing? Oh God, it just made my made my bones hurt. Yeah, I, uh, movie ratings. Yeah, I would agree with you both. Like, if there's not really any body horror in this per se, and it's all kind of what you don't see that's maybe sometimes scarier to you. So mm -hmm. yeah, two sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, movie ratings, uh, Chainsaws, one if you're desperate, two barely qualifies as a horror film, three seen worse, seen better, four not too shabby, and five fantastical. I give this movie a five. I had no, had not, never heard of this, have never seen a like Jewish horror film. This was like in this vein. This was amazing. And I was really pleasantly surprised and I was definitely scared and worried, worried for him most of the movie. So good job. Yeah, and I gave it a four. Uh, not too shabby. I really enjoyed it. And uh, as I said, giving giving a surprise is always really nice. Uh, Elise, what do you say? Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you both watching it. And I'm, I'm glad that you liked it. I'm I'm probably yeah, in the four, four to five range there, because at the time, too, when I read about it, I I was just looking for something new and then. Uh, walked away and thought that was that was solid mm -hmm. like I I wish more people would watch it also it just some felt like something different so uh, here's our question for you 
Uh, we we this this podcast is all about how you survive horror films. Uh, we always give horror movie survival guide tips. So, uh, what is your tip in how to survive the vigil? Oh, oh, I mean, I I guess I would be like drive Uber, do anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess uh, like once, once being in that house, uh, I would maybe try to be a little bit, have some more instinct to pick up on the vibes of this house and maybe take a breather and go outside Mm -hmm. if you need to, because clearly that just staying in that house was a problem. This this is tough. This is a tough one. It is. And really without Mr. Litvak's video, you can't survive it. You'd be stuck. So yeah. it's really only his, you know, forward looking help that, that saves yeah. us. Cause otherwise the Jakob would so have I guess been... pay attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to the messages. I think it's one of those things mm-hmm. where it's like most horror movies too. If there's like, you know, a newscast or like a radio thing going on, like listen, pay attention. Uh, and, uh, you know, Taking the notes. Right? Don't be uh, dismissive of what may now be perceived as a obsolete technology. These... Pop in the VHS tape. Hey, you know, <laughs> we love a good VHS tape here. It's it's a near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. Very much so. Oh, my gosh, Elise. I think that's about it. Um, we're so happy you came on our show today. Do you want to... Have anything else about the vigil or anything else that um, you want to plug and talk about? Talk about your life. Yeah, tell us where. Uh, let the people tell know us what's coming up and where we can find uh, you. Well, first of all, I love I love this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so jealous that you two just do this all the time. <laughs> 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 this is awesome. Um, and uh, I, me, okay. So I I work at Funhouse, and you can watch content over there. And then I also. I can't believe this didn't come up, but I also make a podcast called 30 Morbid Minutes Mm -hmm. where each episode is like a morbid macabre or like kind of grisly topic, person, place, thing, event, idea that we talk about. So like, for example, this season, we talked about the hidden killers of the Victorian era. We talked about cursed objects and artifacts, Um, the morbid nature of time. Like sometimes we get a little bit more conceptual. We've covered... The Last Meals of Death Row Inmates. We've covered Ooh. the history and secrets of the Ouija board and spirit boards. Like, we kind of just run the gamut of all things macabre. And, that sounds amazing. Uh, thanks. I it, love it. Oh, my gosh. We should figure out a way to get y'all yes, involved in that, please. too, sometime. Happily. On board. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I, like, I, I write and co-host and, and make that. And you can listen to it anywhere you listen to podcasts. And uh, that's, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Where can we find your book and where can we find you online? Oh, um, it's it's on Amazon, okay. which I, you know, not crazy about, but it was kind of the the self-publishing route that I took. And tell us what and, you're uh, It's a night, in, a night in Halloween House. Yes. And uh, do you have social media accounts we can be following? Oh, yeah. I, so you can follow me pretty much anywhere at Elise Willems. Awesome. You can find us, Horror Movie Survival Guide, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We do have a Patreon if you'd care to join. We have Teespring if you're into merch. Uh, And we feel lucky to be able to talk to such amazing folks as you. Look at, I mean, any friend of Terry's is a friend of mine because Terry knows the most amazing people. She's the best. Because she's the best, right? She's a ball of sunshine and that's why we love her. Oh my God, you're going to make me blush. (laughs) I love you so much. Thank you so much for making a dream come true and making it to our show today, Elise. It really, really such a pleasure. 
and I'm glad that we're all going to have this witch house later on in our lives, yes. and I cannot wait. Oh, yes. Um, and I'm ready no for this combs. big witch no witch compound, no combs. No, there's no. no need. Just like big ratty nests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, thank you guys so much. You have a wonderful week. We'll see you all again real soon with more Horror Movie Survival Guide next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horrormoviesurvivalguide.